The True Crime Beyond Bad podcast may contain material that is of a violent and graphic nature. This podcast may not be suitable for some people. You have been warned. Hello everyone and welcome to the True Crime Beyond Bad podcast. My name is Rob and I'll be your host. I hope you're all good and that you've been enjoying the podcast. Part two of Who Killed Jaden Lesky will focus on the disappearance of Jaden and the, in, and the investigation that followed. These tragic events took place in the rural town of Maui in the Latrobe Valley, approximately 130 kilometres or 80 miles east of Melbourne, Australia, in 1997. Jaden was just 13 months old. I'll take a look at the background of the people involved and the events that lead to his disappearance. There is a lot of information in this case, so I will be making it a three-part episode. I'm using the resources and citations from a book called The Jaden Lesky Murder by Michael Gleeson and published by HarperCollins Publishers Australia. This is a fabulous book and I recommend it for a very informative read about the case. I'll post a link in the show notes to where you can buy this book. I'm also using ABC Australian News, the Herald Sun newspaper and Nine News Australia. Plus there's a bit of Wikipedia as well. So please come and join me on social media. I will put a, sh- I will put a link in the show notes for all of those as well. Uh, you can also find this podcast on all your favourite podcast apps, also through Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Play. So, grab yourself your favourite beverage, sit back and relax. This is True Crime Beyond Bad. In the last episode, we were at the point where Greg had picked up Belinda from the pub in Tarelgan and he had talked Belinda out of going to see Jaden at the hospital until she had sobered up. After travelling down the freeway from Tarelgan to Maui, Greg and Belinda arrived at Greg's house on Narakan Drive. As Greg turned into his driveway, the headlights raked across the front of his house. To Greg's horror, he noticed that all of the windows on the front of his house had been smashed. Greg parked his car and the two of them went inside. Greg ran frantically through the house, looking in rooms and cupboards. In her drunken voice, Belinda blurted out, Yvonne's done it. Belinda and Yvonne had been feuding with abusive phone calls and vandalism. The reason for the feud was simple enough. It stemmed from Yvonne discovering Belinda's clandestine relationship with Greg. Belinda believed that Greg was still infatuated with Yvonne. Greg decided it would be better to take Belinda home. Although she wanted to stay at Greg's, he would not have it and insisted to take her home. It was approximately 3.20am. Greg didn't tell Belinda that the story about Jane's burns was a lie nor did he raise the alarm about the boy he now knew was missing. 
Belinda didn't realise that Jaden was meant to be in the house. She believed that he was in the hospital. She also didn't realise that there might be a connection between the smashed windows and her son. Belinda told Greg to call the police about the vandalism, but Greg said that he wasn't a rat or a dog and that he would handle it himself. As they left for Belinda's house, they noticed something in the garden. It was a severed pig's head. They didn't notice it on the way in, but they couldn't not notice it now. They were both shocked by what they saw, but decided to continue to Belinda's house. On the way to Belinda's house, Greg drove past Yvonne's house. Although her car was in the driveway and the lights were on, he did not stop. Once they arrived and went inside, Belinda collapsed on the floor in the lounge room. Greg said he was going to try and find out who had damaged his house and left with the house keys. Still drunk, Belinda decided to ring a few people. She rang a friend that was at the pub with her that night to see if he had got home safely, but there was no answer. She also rang Julie Brassington to check on Brianon. She then rang Greg's house and he answered. She asked him what he was doing and he told her that he was trying to find out who had damaged his house. She asked him to come back to her house as soon as possible and not to stay in the house because of the smashed windows. While she waited for Greg to return, Belinda fell asleep on the lounge room floor in front of the heater. About two hours later, Greg was desperately trying to wake her. They had to go to the police station. Jaden was missing. Kenny Penfold was the older brother of Yvonne. Kenny took an instant dislike to Greg because of the way he treated his sister. Kenny and Greg had come to blows in the backyard of his house on occasion. Kenny Penfold is a large, well-built man who has occasionally worked as a labourer, but more often than not, he was either on welfare or in prison. He had a long criminal history, with most being assaults and petty crimes. Kenny always remained dubious about his sister's relationship with Greg. Yvonne and Greg's relationship was on again, off again, until they broke up for good when Greg started his relationship with Belinda. On the day that Jaden went missing, Kenny... Darren Wilson, Yvonne and her friend Becky had attended a party. Darren was Yvonne's ex-boyfriend and he had once been engaged to her. Darren and Kenny were good friends and the two of them had got into the party spirit and started drinking heavily. Kenny had been brooding over the problems Yvonne was having with Greg, with Greg damaging Yvonne's car days previously. He was angry and frustrated. Darren heard what had been going on and could understand Kenny's frustration. The two of them decided to exact revenge on Greg. Kenny had been thinking about retribution towards Greg and he had thought to use a pig's head. Kenny and Darren had thought that throwing a severed pig's head through Greg's house window would get the desired effect. Kenny knew that Greg had a pet pig in the past and that Greg loved his pet pig. Kenny kept pigs for meat. On the Friday before the attack on Greg's house, Kenny had slaughtered one of his pigs. He had stored the head for this occasion. Kenny, Yvonne, Darren and Becky left the party in Becky's car. 
She drove them to Darren's parents' house so he could pick up his car. Yvonne, being the most sober of the lot, took over the driving. She drove to her house for a short time, then drove to Gladstone Street, Maui, that Kenny shared with a couple of friends. They called into the house to pick up the pig's head. One of Kenny's housemates, Dean Ross, wanted to get something to eat and asked if he could go with them. The plan was simple. Yvonne would drop the group at Greg's house, that smashed the windows of his car, hurl the pig's head through the front window of the house and run off. Yvonne would pick them up ten minutes later as they walked down Narakan Drive towards the heart of Maui. Yvonne would exact her revenge without getting her hands dirty. Dean had little to do with what happened over the next few hours. His determination to stay in the car, to say and do nothing, was a smart move. At around 2am, they arrived at Greg's house. Kenny got out of the car with the pig's head, followed by Darren, who picked up an axe handle from the floor of the car. Kenny bent down and grabbed a handful of rocks and placed them in his pocket. The two of them kept out of sight and watched Greg's house for about five minutes. Greg's green Ford Falcon was parked in the driveway, with the front of it pointing towards the street. Its boot, or trunk, was open. They watched as Greg came out of the house with a white plastic bag and walked towards his rubbish bin and placed the bag inside. Greg then returned to the house. Kenny crept up to the fence along the side of Greg's house. He wanted to smash the windows of the car. As soon as he raised his head above the fence, Greg's dogs saw him and went berserk. Kenny squatted below the fence, just as Greg came out to see what the dogs were barking at. Greg had a look around and then went back inside the house. Kenny ran back across the road, back to where Darren was. The two of them continued to watch Greg's house for another five minutes. They were briefly startled when Greg re-emerged from the house, got in his car and drove off. They now had free reign. The two of them ran across the road back to Greg's house. Kenny got to a metre or two of the lounge room window and threw the pig's head at it. It bounced off. He threw it again and it bounced off again. Next time he threw it as hard as he could. It smashed the window. The two of them were pretty sure that the pig's head had gone into the house. Kenny then retrieved the rocks from his pockets and started throwing them at the windows. Darren did not use his axe handle. With all the noise from the rocks smashing the windows, the two of them got spooked and decided to run off. Greg's dogs were barking madly and neighbours' lights were being turned on. Kenny and Darren were laughing as they ran down the street towards Maui. As the pair neared a small bridge over Narakan Creek, Yvonne arrived and picked them up. Yvonne asked what had happened. Darren replied, All the front windows are gone. They drove down the road to the BP service station where they bought a packet of cigarettes and a bottle of coke. They left the service station and drove to Yvonne's house. Kenny offered to stay the night in case Greg came looking for retribution. Darren ended up staying with Yvonne. They dropped Kenny and Dean home and returned to Yvonne's house. Greg rang Yvonne at approximately 3.10am, yelling into the phone, 
asking if this was another one of her sick jokes. Greg never mentioned a missing child or that Jaden had been in the house. Yvonne had expected Greg to come around that night and he didn't disappoint. Within 30 minutes of the phone call, he drove past blaring his car horn. Sometime around 3am on Sunday the 15th of June, Senior Constable Farnham Molesworth and Senior Constable Matthew Georgeson were on patrol down Lloyd Street, Mowie, when a car heading in the opposite direction caught their attention. They did not recognise the green Ford Falcon at first sight and proceeded to make a U-turn and follow it. As they followed through a roundabout, the Ford began to speed up as it headed down Anzac Street. They followed it as it turned right into Albert Street and then shortly after turning right into Bennett Street, where they activated their lights and pulled the car over. Senior Constable Molesworth approached the car, which he now recognised while his partner logged the time and location. Have you got your licence there, Greg? Senior Constable Molesworth asked. Yes, Greg said, and flicked through his wallet before handing over the licence. Where have you been tonight? Nowhere. Are you heading home? No. The policeman gave Greg a breath test, which was negative. Senior Constable Milesworth was perplexed. He had many run-ins with Greg previously and sensed that he was being overly cautious. Usually Greg Domasavich was cocky and self-assured. He was acting strangely. He was subdued, even quiet unlike on previous occasions. The policeman couldn't explain it. Molesworth couldn't find anything out of the ordinary. It was just a feeling and he couldn't detain Greg on just that. Molesworth had a brief look inside the car, but did not look in the Ford's back or in the boot or trunk. He sent Greg on his way. Rumours surfaced that Greg was saturated when the police pulled him over that morning. He wasn't. Molesworth had said that Greg's head and shoulders were dry. When Greg was pulled over, he never mentioned that Jaden was missing, nor did he mention that the windows at the front of his house had been smashed and that a pig's head had been left in his front yard. Greg arrived home soon after this encounter with the local police. That is when Belinda rang. She wanted to remind Greg not to stay home because of the smashed windows and to come back to her place. Belinda Murphy was sprawled across the floor of her lounge room in front of the heater, snoring. She was woken from a sleep from a couple of hard slaps across her face delivered by Greg. She opened her eyes and tried to focus. Greg was leaning over her trying to wake her. He was yelling at her. I lied to you. I've lied to you. Jaden's not in hospital. He's missing. Belinda got to her feet and she hugged Greg as he was crying. He said that they'd better go to the police station. They drove to the Maui police station. It was about 5am. They were greeted by Senior Constable Molesworth, the policeman who had pulled Greg over earlier that morning. Greg was flustered 
as he told Molesworth that a young boy was missing and possibly abducted. Molesworth asked which boy, and Greg pointed to Belinda and said hers. Molesworth asked Greg to explain. I went to pick up my girlfriend, he said. When I got back, someone had smashed all the windows and there's a pig's head outside the window. Molesworth asked when this had occurred and Greg replied, about five minutes ago. He had only left the baby for about five minutes while he went to collect his girlfriend, he added. Belinda was confused and still a little drunk from the previous night's partying. She said, don't worry about him, he's just a dickhead. Jaden's in hospital. I don't know why we're here. Greg was sobbing, trying to convince Belinda that he was telling the truth. Molesworth called in the superior, Sergeant Max Hill, who came in from the back room. Hill was worried. The two stories didn't tally up. Had the boy been abducted or was he in hospital? Why did you take so long to report it, he asked. I don't know, I don't know, Greg replied. Hill decided to send two officers to Greg's house to check what had happened. He brought Greg and Belinda into one of the interview rooms in the back of the station. He separated the couple into different rooms. He did not want to give them the opportunity to discuss the case. Belinda found herself in a cold interview room, still drunk. The whole thing was making no sense. A large policeman in a suit came into the room and challenged Belinda, slamming his hand on the bench. I haven't done anything wrong, she said. That maggot in the next room has killed your kid and smashed the windows to make it look like somebody else had done it, he said, and then left. Belinda didn't know what was going on. Had Greg confessed? If Jaden was missing, she wanted to be out there looking for him. Belinda's hangover had started to fade as the day dragged on. At 8am, Morwell detectives had called Detective Inspector Paul Hollowood about the case that had started to puzzle them. They had a missing child that had apparently been abducted. It was a concern to them that they were getting two different stories. Something didn't make sense. Usually, this situation would involve the special response squad, especially if there is a possibility of a ransom. But there was no ransom. Detective Inspector Hollowood thought it would be the best option to call in the homicide squad. Someone missing in suspicious circumstances was also the domain of the homicide squad. Detective Senior Sergeant Legg had told Hollowood that the child had been left alone in a house which had been vandalised at night and there was something else. Someone had left a pig's head at the scene. His first call was to Detective Sergeant Ian Ricardo at Morwell CIB, who was in charge of the investigation at the scene. Although the Mower Uniform Branch had taken the complaint, the CIB had also been called in before the State Crime Squad. Detective Senior Sergeant Legg would become the public face of the investigation. He would make regular appearances on TV and in newspapers, giving the public information regarding the case. 
There were different theories about what happened. Did those who broke the windows and left the pig's head take the child? Had this person, Greg Donasavage, done it? Maybe he broke the windows himself and threw the pig's head to make it appear like someone else had done it. Or had he concealed the child as a cover-up for a domestic dispute? The Melbourne detectives arrived in Maui around 2pm. Leg led the briefing. The briefing touched on the volatile relationship between Greg Domasavich and Yvonne Penfold. The local police knew all about it due to the regular intervention orders. It was soon determined that Greg and Belinda were not involved in the vandalism of Greg's house. The police did want to talk to Yvonne Penfold as Greg had accused her and her family of committing the vandalism when he first entered the police station that morning. The detectives, local police and forensic scientists left the station and went to Belinda's house first and then on to Greg's. The extent of the damage at Greg's house had surprised the police. At first glance, it would seem impossible for someone to enter the house through the broken windows due to the size of the holes. Greg had told Detective Leg that he had locked the doors when he left for Terelgan to pick up Belinda. The police checked the locks. They weren't sure if Yvonne had a key to Greg's house, as it turned out she didn't since the couple's last separation. The police also noticed that the windows had not been rimmed. When a window is rimmed, it, it's cleared of all broken glass by the intruder to gain access. The blinds, curtains and furniture near the windows were all intact. None of the small items near the windows had been knocked over. Meanwhile, Maui police officers had visited Yvonne Penfold and brought her to the police station. She was brought in by Sergeant Russell Fraser, who knew Yvonne and her family well. Sergeant Fraser had recalled a conversation he had had with Yvonne some weeks earlier when she had mentioned a pig's head. It took little time for Yvonne to confess in her involvement in the vandalism of Greg's house. She admitted to driving the car and identified the other people she was with. Darren Wilson had left Maui and had gone back home to San Remo. Police at Phillip Island were notified and sent to collect him. They arrived at Darren's house just after he had heard of Jaden's disappearance on the evening news. The other two were quickly brought in for questioning. They gave police details that matched what Darren had given police. Yvonne had admitted that she was behind all of this. The others were all brought in and totally separately collaborated on each other's stories. Leg knew that one part of the riddle was solved. Their story was much more consistent than Greg and Belinda's. Greg and Belinda had been interviewed on and off during the day by police from Maui and detectives from Morwell. Sergeant Max Hill, who had dealt with Greg and Belinda at the station when they came in that morning, interviewed Greg with Senior Detective Shelley Rees of Morwell CIB. Leg first spoke to Greg at about 7.30 that evening. He and Detective Sergeant Mick Roberts introduced themselves and began to question Greg. Greg fidgeted and seemed nervous when he was explaining the situation. Leg believed that Greg's demeanour in the first meeting did not help Greg's cause. The investigators had their suspicions. 
Greg's story didn't appear to add up, and as crazy as it first appeared, the police were beginning to consider that the vandalism incident was no more than an extraordinary coincidence. Although still unable to rule the group out, Legs started to believe that the pig's head episode was not directly related to Jaden's disappearance. Police searched the house of all involved in the pig's head gang and confiscated clothing. Kenny would become the key factor that would convince police that the group was not involved in Jaden's disappearance. Due to Kenny's extensive criminal record, he had been interviewed by local police often enough to know how he conducted himself under the pressure of interrogation. Minutes after starting the interview, Kenny's tough guy demeanour disappeared and he opened up and told police everything that had happened that night. The investigators continued to chase down leads. They were still working on the basis that Jaden was still alive. Finding him alive was their first priority. Although as time went by, hope was fading. The police contacted Ryan's hotel in Terralgan to confirm that Belinda had attended on the night of Jaden's disappearance. The management of the hotel remembered Belinda being there. Although Greg had told police that he had made up the story about taking Jaden to the hospital, they checked with all the local hospitals. Police were hoping for a confession from Greg that Sunday evening, but it wasn't forthcoming. The police didn't have enough to charge Greg. Detective Legg telephoned his superiors in Melbourne and asked for surveillance team to be sent up to Maui that night. A handful of undercover officers arrived at 1am. Legg wanted to know Greg's movements once he was released from the police station, hoping he would lead them to Jaden. Police quickly examined Greg's car that he had driven to the police station earlier that day. Greg left the Maui police station at 2am. He didn't go home. He didn't go looking for Jaden. He went to see Belinda. Greg arrived at Belinda's house shortly after leaving the police station. Belinda greeted him at the door and the first words muttered by Greg were, I'm sorry. Belinda let him in. Although she had started to believe Greg had done something to Jaden when she was interviewed at the police station. Within a short time, she swayed back to believing that Greg wasn't involved. Soon after news broke about Jaden's disappearance, the Maui Motor Inn and the local pub became the home for a slew of reporters and media crews for the next few weeks. Some of the out-of-town police that worked the case had to bunk in the local police station due to the lack of accommodation. With the sudden influx to Maui's population came an unwanted notoriety. The locals were not happy that they were being maligned by association with a small pocket of people. The town was fragmented. Very few people wanted to be known as being from Maui. Over the next few months, the case received an unprecedented amount of coverage. On the Tuesday after Jaden's disappearance, over 50 police search and rescue officers and volunteers had gathered in Maui to search Lake Narakan. 8 kilometres or 5 miles northeast of town. Divers were also searching Mundara Dam, 15 kilometres, 9 miles north of town. Investigators were concentrating more on their search on links to water. Police and media attention were getting worse for Greg. 
Greg decided to meet with a lawyer, Paul Vale, to discuss the situation. Police were applying pressure to Greg. They tried to isolate Greg from family and friends by telling them their theory on what happened to Jaden, planting the seed of doubt in their minds about Greg's innocence. The police approached Greg's close friend, Darren Farr, with his plan of attack. Farr was critical of the plan to isolate Greg. He had been Greg's shelter and comfort. Police had hinted to Darren that he might be harbouring a killer. Brett Lesky was desperate to get back to Melbourne. He was stranded in Kalgoorlie. He didn't have enough money for a flight back. He asked his boss for an advance on his pay, which was granted, but that wasn't enough. Several people around the town took up a collection for Brett and he finally had enough funds to return to Melbourne. Brett's flight landed in Melbourne's Tullamarine Airport at 7pm Tuesday following Jaden's disappearance. Brett was met by his brother Glenn and taken to see family in Melbourne to compose himself before the drive back to Maui. They arrived at Glenn's house in Maui around 9.30 that evening where Brett changed and was, and was then taken to Maui Police Station to be briefed by detectives. After being briefed by police, Brett was ready to talk to reporters. He accepted every request for interviews by the press. He couldn't understand how anyone looking after a small child would leave them alone at home in the first place. He wanted the world to know that he wanted his boy back. Okay, I think we're going to leave it there for now. Um, please tune in to catch the ending of the Who Killed Jaden Lesky podcast. Uh, there's still a lot of information to come. There's the trial and uh, all the other bits and pieces that go with it. So hopefully we'll see you back for the next one. Thank you and we'll catch you later. Trying to do things again and I went berserk.